0: This is the EdTech Podcast, your B2B show for the best thought leadership in the industry, bringing you education, information, and inspiration, only on MarketScale.
1: They're no longer sitting there with a pen and paper.
0: Virtual reality is an interesting medium where students can access a wide range of content. Hello, I'm James Kent for the Education and Technology Podcast brought to you by MarketScale. Something I believe most of us today can relate to during this unprecedented moment in our lifetime is not only working from home, but working from home alongside our children, who are many for the first time learning from home through online education. It can be quite an adjustment for our kids. It's not just learning new technology and having to manage their classroom workloads on their own, but it's missing out on the social interactions that are so valuable to their development and well-being. For me, I have two boys, one in the second grade and one in the sixth. For the older one, he's, he's doing okay. He's able to manage his schedule, the classwork requirements, taking pictures of his assignments on his phone, sending them in, and going to various online classroom meetups. But for the younger one, he's struggling a bit. Uh, Doing the assignments, even though they don't seem difficult or overwhelming to me, are a daily battle. He's resisting. He's a bit despondent. He just wants to be back at regular school, as he tells me. Amongst all the other challenges the pandemic has brought into my life, this one is probably the challenge that has me most stressed right now. In this new immediate age of online learning, what can educators do to break through to those who are struggling, and how can social-emotional learning provide solutions? Here to speak with me today on this topic is Dr. Jane Moore, and Crystal Smith. Dr. Moore is a lifelong educator and the regional PD lead and coordinator for the Department of Social and Emotional Learning for iStation, and Crystal is a third-grade teacher at Chapel Hill Preparatory Academy in the Dallas Independent School District. Dr. Moore and Crystal, it's a pleasure having you both on the podcast today, and I'm very excited to talk to you. Okay.
2: Thank you for having us.
0: Now, as a way of introduction, why don't we start with your background in education? Uh, Jane, we can start with you first.
2: Well, uh, as you said, a lifelong educator. I've been in education now 42 years, a classroom teacher, uh, moving to be an instructional coach in a large urban school district, uh, and then campus administrator. After I retired from the public school system, I went to work for iStation, which is a uh, technology education company.
0: And Crystal?
1: A 16-year educator. I've started out in the early childhood classrooms and gradually worked up into the upper elementary. Um, Left the classroom for a little bit to become an instructional specialist with the early learning department in Dallas ISD. And missed the classroom, missed the kids, missed the interactions, and have been back in now for two years.
0: Jane and Crystal, how did the two of you become acquainted with one another? Oh, that's funny.
1: Uh,
2: so, <laughs> so about 20 years ago, Yeah. <laughs> it was Crystal's right. first year of teaching, and uh, she was a kindergarten teacher at the school I was an instructional coach at.
0: Wow. Yeah. There's a ton of information we could dig into in terms of education, especially focused on K through 12, but let's focus on the situation we find ourselves in right now, and that's the pandemic. You know, my kids are home for the duration of the school year, as I'm sure a majority of the kids across the country are. I know one of the things you do at iStation is work with educators to make their level of comfort with technology easier and show them how it can be an important tool in education Education, but now technology is an absolute necessity. And with many schools forced to shut down rapidly without a plan in place for online learning, I'm guessing it was a mad scramble for many institutions, as it was for my kid's school. What have you experienced in the past six to eight weeks? Uh, mad scramble definitely
2: describes it. The many of the school districts were caught unaware; they were on spring break. Teachers are not at all familiar with what online platforms to be using with their children. Uh, it's just not something that they ever had to pay attention to for a long term. School districts certainly were not prepared for it for technology. Nobody made sure that the kids took their their devices home if they were one-to-one. Right. In a lot of school districts, they were one-to-one, maybe in the uh, upper grades, maybe middle school and high school, but it hadn't trickled down to the elementary. And if they were one-to-one, those devices were housed at school. Then you get a variety of responses. Uh, I know I have my third-grade granddaughter and my first-grade granddaughter with me during this entire time. And so, I'm actually living the stress that you (laughs) are also feeling. Uh, And then Crystal, as well, has two children. But they... The, their teachers are both on different platforms. One uses Google Classroom and the other uses Seesaw. So as the parent, I'm sitting here having to juggle, oh, oh, wait a minute. For you, I need to do this. And for you, I need to do this. And I don't know how to use those platforms.
0: You're singing my song.
2: <laughs> yeah, Everybody is discombobulated. I mean, we are just uh, feeling it all out. But really, the first couple of weeks were the hardest. The kids' emotions were all over the place. They were crying, they were resistant, they wanted their friends, and how come this had to be this way? And once we got routines in place, and I have the luxury of working from home all the time, and so I had my routine down, but having them here absolutely uh, disrupted it. So, you know, we had to learn to merge, to restructure our day, and just to go with the flow.
0: Yeah, so Crystal, you know, you're, you're actively teaching a grade right now, I guess from home, and then you have two kids that are also learning home and online?
1: That's right, I have a third grader who, just like your son that's in second grade, needs more support from me um, than my freshman. I have a freshman in high school, And so he's able to get in and uh, maneuver through the programs perfectly fine. He is completely self-sufficient and independent. But my third grader, who's also just a struggling student naturally and is a hearing impaired student. So we've finding the balance between me doing school for my students but also working with him at the same time has been the biggest challenge. And I think as a teacher, my biggest focus when going into this was, okay, I can maybe do Google Classroom, but is that the best for my parents? Will that be the easiest? No, wait a second, I can see a problem here. Wait, is Dojo the best? Is Seesaw the best? So kind of thinking through the easiest platform for parents who, probably their technology skill is less than mine is. And mine at this point is kind of at the the bottom level (laughs) was, um, you know, my first was what I kind of struggled through first.
0: So let's talk about SEL or social emotional learning. What is that all about?
2: Well, social emotional learning is, um, Coming to understand and then applying your knowledge and skills and attitudes about emotions and then how to manage your emotions, how to set and achieve goals, how to feel empathy for others, uh, how to make responsible decisions, and also how to establish and maintain relationships.
0: Now, instinctively, are teachers integrating blended learning or are these relatively new competencies that need to be rolled out?
2: personally, I don't believe they're they're new. The organizational structure of them may be new. You know, in the field of education for as long as I've known it, we've always had some type of um, way to talk to our children, to reach their emotions, to have them handle their emotions. There was always some kind of program or uh, awareness we were Made of, but now there's an organization that most people use, and it is uh, the Collaborative for Academic, Social, and Emotional Learning, otherwise known as CASEL, that uh, has organized a lot of these lifelong skills into five competencies, making it more manageable or more uh, able for us to be focused on. And those competencies are self awareness, uh, self management, responsible decision-making, relationship skills, and then social awareness.
0: On the social part, why do you feel that that's a key important part of a curriculum? It's life. So that's going to be a big challenge with kids now not getting to socialize. Uh, I know that, you know, my oldest, he communicates with his friends online through actually video games. And while I don't usually like to have them spending too much time on video games, it's really my uh, oldest's really only channel to communicate with his friends now that he can't see them at school. But again, my second grade. Student, He doesn't have, you know, t- a texting with friends or a way to communicate. And, you know, I feel like he's getting kind of lonely. And even though the teacher holds a few meetings a week with all the kids, it's just not the same.
1: We're finding the same thing with our third grader, our 15 year old, you know, he has a cell phone and he's able to text in and video chat or get on to, like you said, a gaming system to be able to speak with friends. But our third grader doesn't have those. And so we're also and he's a a big extrovert. He needs to be around people to gain his energy, whereas my oldest is an introvert. So it's more natural for him to be at home. So the older one, we're um, having to get out of the house more. We're doing more bicycle rides. We're doing more interactive um, activities as a family, building puzzles and doing more games. And though it is just with us, we're trying to find that space and time for him to for him to be able to at least
0: be around people. It's hard. I hear you. The other day, I felt that both my kids were just in the house too much. It was a nice day. And I said, come on, we're going to go to this little wooded path that I know that's nearby. Let's go. (laughs) We got to get out and get out away from this uh, space. So with this new challenge of online learning, how can teachers utilize uh, SEL skills in this environment.
1: I've really been thinking about how to support my parents and students in that aspect, and so um, I've really kind of narrowed it down to some really key points. For me that I've been been using, and I think the biggest one is for us to communicate as educators, communicate with your parents, Um, keep a pulse on what's going on in their families and in their households, um, which families have been laid off which families aren't working at home, they are going still to their job, which ones are at home, but don't really know how to manage everything and are struggling. So really understanding what's going on in the structure of the house, I think is really important for what is my Zoom meeting going to look like today? What is my Zoom lesson going to look like today? What are the interactive lessons? What will my assignments for the week look like? Can I go ahead and embed any SEL lessons into assignments that I'm giving kids throughout the week that would be able to help the parents guide them through this challenging time?
0: Jane, do you have anything to add to that?
2: Well, I agree with Crystal that communication is definitely key here. It's very frustrating for me with my two girls where one teacher, I won't say which one, (laughs) communicates routinely (laughs) with with the children, and she uh, has class Zoom meetings where they all get together, and then she has very private ones, whereas the other teacher is new teacher, uh, new Mm. to education, and... Very, she makes little videos for them to watch that are posted on YouTube, so that the kids can see her and make that connection. Uh, but the Zoom meetings are not present, and it's it's really difficult. And then both of my girls are in in uh, gifted programs, and their uh, GT teacher gets on, and she has the whole groups, and and they talk about solving these puzzles. And then the art teacher gets on, and and she has classes where she actually can see what they're doing and we even have extracurricular like the ballet teacher. She wants you to aim the the iPads so she can see your feet, make sure things were going right. So there's such a variety of communication or lack of that it, it can be very overwhelming and you feel like you're always juggling plates, trying to get our kids
0: there. <laughs> You know, we've talked a little bit about sort of the one side going into the students as far as this is all the, you know, information that they're getting hit with. What what are you hearing if you are at all besides your kids from students on how how are they reacting to this experience?
1: So I guess I can I can answer that one. Yeah. Um- with me meeting with my kids. Some are absolutely loving it. They're able to get in, they're able to do their assignments. They are the ones who have already developed really good organization and time management skills or they have parents that have those skills that are, you know, making their kids do it. And then you have students who who just can't get on, who can't Who can't do it. They struggle with typing. They struggle with opening up programs. They don't know how to create a text box. So thinking through, it's almost like before this happened, you kind of had to make a list of what are all the hindrances and problems that students can face prior to them even getting into any program? Is it knowing how to even log into a program? Is it creating text boxes? Is it typing? So kind of thinking about the possible problems and heading them off as best as you can.
0: Yeah, you know, because I, I know kids are are funny creatures. They don't always share with you what's going on inside their heads. Uh, so with an experience like this, they may seem like they're okay, But inside, they may be struggling and having certain fears that maybe even the parents could kind of help with if they would even reveal them. And you don't know necessarily what they're thinking. Um, And so, you know, as teachers, how when we're in this online environment should or should not the teachers kind of address kind of what's happening or even just kind of that elephant in the room talking to students about, hey, are you feeling okay about what's happening with the pandemic? Is that like a recommendation or is it something where teachers shouldn't really get into that?
2: Well, we definitely need to be checking our kids and checking the pulse of their emotions. Uh, We need to check them with them, ask them not necessarily about the pandemic, but how are you feeling today? Uh, You know, did you get up on the right side of the bed? You know, are you ready to do your work? Do you have a goal in mind? I know, Crystal, in your classroom, you have them journal. Why don't you talk about that a little bit?
1: Right. So um, the way I, I guess, quote unquote, take attendance is that I send out a journal every morning for the students to fill out. And within the journal, I ask them to pick the emoji that best um, represents how they're feeling this morning. And so they'll uh, pick an emoji and then they'll have to kind of explain a little bit what the emoji means and why they're feeling this way. And it kind of gives me as far as the the journaling portion of it, it lets me know first thing in the morning, okay which kids do I need to go ahead and kind of intervene with right then. I have one student who consistently puts a frowny face almost every day.
0: (laughs) That would be my youngest if I...
1: (laughs) (laughs) And so there have been several conversations with him and his mom, reaching out to him. I've even, this last week, I mailed out, I, I guess, like treat packages to the students Um, to let them know I was thinking about them. And in his, I put a little something extra special in just to kind of brighten um, his day up some. I even reached out to the counselor, our school counselor, and let her know that there are a few of my students that are struggling. And what other resources do we have available to help them right now outside? They're saying their feelings. They are naming their feelings. They're explaining their feelings. Now, what do we do with those feelings? is kind of where I'm at as a teacher. I,
0: I, 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 I'm i they're right there with you because I think it's <laughs> one thing to be able to address those feelings, but it, that now when kids are stuck at home, well, what can you do with those feelings? How can you overcome some of the feelings that you have? And I think that's where our, I have a struggle at my house where, you know, I mean, my kid's the youngest, especially, he just kind of feels trapped. And you know, he, he just repeatedly says, when's this going to be over? When am I going back to school? Which, hey, as a parent, you like to actually hear that the kids want to go back to school.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think my, my youngest goes through that, too. And so what we've done that's been beneficial for him, and it, it might work for other kids, too, is instead of looking at it as this long duration, let's take it day by day. And what are we going to accomplish for today? What does our day look like? And it could even be what does our morning look like? How are we going to just get through the morning? How are we going to just get through the afternoon in the evening? Okay, now today it's a whole new day. And it might feel repetitive and it might feel like it's dragging for the adults. But for the kids, I think having maybe... A shorter time frame for them to get through might be easier than just thinking, oh, my gosh, we have a whole nother month left, two <laughs> months left, three months left. How are we going to do this? Well, let's just take it day by day and see what each day presents itself as.
0: And I mentioned that where I'm from, the school is home for the duration of the school year. I'm assuming that we'll be going back in the fall. I don't know. Uh, I'm hoping (laughs) that my kids will be out of here um, in the fall. But uh, (laughs) what I don't know is I know that that's the majority of the country, but maybe not every other. Where does Texas stand at the moment as regards to the kids? I know that they're starting to get ready to open things back up, but does that also apply to the schools or are they keeping the schools closed for the remainder of the year?
2: We're closed. The governor came out, oh, what, almost two weeks ago and said there will be no more school openings this year.
0: Right. You know, in a a business sense, looking at iStation, so, you know, there's now obviously no events or trade shows happening. Uh, what, what, what have you been doing at iStation to continue to be able to be a resource for educators? Or, you know, what's the best way for educators to reach out to iStation if they want to learn more information about uh, topics things such as uh, SEL?
2: Well, immediately iStation jumped in and gave the product away free to school districts so that all children had something that was productive that they could do at home, very engaging uh, and differentiated, meeting their particular needs. But also, iStation created a COVID 19 page right on our homepage that parents can click on. And there are videos right there that they can just two minute videos that they can watch that talks to them about what iStation is. That also tells them how to download the program. If you have a single sign-on system, how you manage iStation there. And then we are a company of educators for educators. So, we jumped right in and had Facebook live sessions where we went on and we gave parent tips on how to organize their materials, how to set up a routine, how to get the the day going and how to maybe organize a desk area for the kids to work. Um, we gave them hints. We had all those ongoing for about 15 days. So uh, as a company, we are Jumping right in to help the parents, but then we also have the teacher side where some teachers may never have used iStation before, but now they have this tool that they really understand is going to be beneficial to their child and they need professional development, and so we've been doing small one-hour webinars, we've been doing Zoom meetings with school districts and school district personnel trying to orient them to the many resources we have and, and just the procedures and what you need to, to know about iStation, how to read a report and then take the information from that real-time data and actually apply it to their lesson that they're going to be doing with the students So we have another whole educator side uh, that has kept us very, very busy. I know in my own case, we have a support department that is wonderful, and you could call in, and they will help you with anything and everything, but they were so overwhelmed the first couple of weeks, not with educators or districts having questions or issues, but with parents, right. and even some students. We had some students call, <laughs> uh, and so those of us that may not normally work in that department also pitched in and helped, and we were, we were answering some. Of the emails and calls that were coming in and trying to allay some fears and uh, shore up some systems so that all would go smoother with our our students.
0: Well, wow, that's fantastic. Um, I mean, because that's one thing is if you have kids, uh, this situation, this pandemic, uh, has. Giving you a new insight into what our children go through and, you know their struggles and what what they need to do to learn and and really you know if you weren't already appreciative enough of what the teachers do this is certainly going to add a new level of appreciation because uh, I am you know on many things but I am not a trained professional in education and I am thanking my lucky stars that the kids have those professionals helping them every day because <laughs> I seem to be no use to them.
2: <laughs> Crystal and I were talking about classrooms and, and children showing their emotion. At home, they feel very comfortable throwing a tantrum or telling someone, no, I don't want to do that and, and just sharing it out because that's the norm of a home. It's a safe place. Place to express ourselves that way. But in the classroom, that's not the social norm. And so children may be feeling some of these things at school, but they keep them in and they can't share them. And they don't, they act out in different ways that uh, we're just coming to an understanding that if you think about the home and the school, how kids are responding to this. You know, why is it that at home we're getting a lot of tears, but we don't at school? And I, and I really wonder if it's the social norm of the classroom. You don't want to cry in front of your friends, but you can cry in front of your family.
0: I think that is an excellent point, And that may really <laughs> sum up and explain what's going on with my second grader, because I've seen more tears from him in the past few weeks related to school and school work Mm -hmm. than I've ever seen uh, in the past.
2: Right. And they're struggling too. The teachers usually teach something to them and then guide them through the lesson and make sure that they're understanding it and they give them additional practice if they need it. Traditionally, homework is a very independent part of the lesson where the students are supposed to be able to do it on their own because the teacher uh, has instructed them and guided them through it. So it's just additional practice. But now we're having to ask children to pay attention to uh, a video and glean everything from that video and now apply it independently without that interaction, without that guide. Uh, some parents are able to guide their children just fine, but is it interrupting their workday? Could be. Uh, so where where are the tempers? Where are the tears? You know, where's the frustration? Is it? Wait a minute, I have to finish doing what I'm doing before I can help you do what you're doing. Uh, it's it's just a whole different dynamic.
1: I even secretly hope that sometimes some of my parents are listening in on our Zoom lessons so that they can hear the language and the way that I conduct the lesson and the feedback especially the feedback and how I'm providing that feedback just being right or wrong try again which you know most parents would probably use it's definitely more guided and has the student thinking through the problem instead of it just being okay it's wrong but what do i do what do i mean so i'm kind of secretly hoping parents are eavesdropping in on some of those lessons and i think it's important for teachers in that moment to be the best role model not just for the kids but for the parents that are listening to
0: i agree you're right on crystal right on uh now before i let the two of you go is there anything else you think we should cover
1: The only thing I can think to add to our discussion is, number one, teachers take care of yourselves. This is a time for us also to not just be thinking about students, SE, but for us to be taking care of ourselves in this moment too. Even though we're working at home and we're highly passionate about education, we don't need to be on the clock all day, all night long. And that was a struggle that I found myself in is I was still sitting in front of my laptop at 10 p.m. entering emails, going through grades, creating assignments and lessons. And my husband said, Crystal, you gotta stop this. And so I just wanna express to the, to the teachers, have your own clock out time, set a schedule for yourself, Give yourself grace and know that this isn't easy. Express that to your parents as much as possible. And you're going to see that the parents are going to re- be responding to you in the same way.
2: And I think, too, just to have the parents relax. They'll get what they need. We'll get it to them eventually, whether one can get back into the physical space of a classroom. But they're going to be fine. Right.
0: I might not be fine by the end of it, but... <laughs> Hopefully the kids That's will. true.
1: <laughs> yes, she will. <laughs> uh,
0: well, this has been a pleasure, and it's been helpful to me, so I appreciate that. Um, I just want to thank you, my guest, Dr. Jane Moore from iStation, and Crystal Smith from Chapel Hill Preparatory Academy in the Dallas Independent School District. Thank you for having thank us. Thank you. You're welcome. And thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of the Education Technology Podcast brought to you by MarketScale. If you like what you heard and want to catch more episodes, hit the subscribe button. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, marketscale.com, or wherever you listen to your podcast content. Make sure you leave a rating and a comment. I'm your host, James Kent. Let's talk again soon.